We don't have much time. Before first contact, we were fighting amongst ourselves. We needed the legislators to show us a better way. They're protecting us from anarchy. Tell our friends down below they got our full operational support. Harmony, peace. It's a lie. They're going to take everything. What do you want me to do? As long as we fight back, we got a chance. Big money, playboy, your time's up. We're facing a full-blown insurgency known as Phoenix. Put your hand up. The network's communicating. They're playing at something big. Made you look. The team goes tonight. You ready? No one gets taken alive. Hello, Gabriel. You have a job to do. I've got a plan. I have faith in you. Light a match. Ignite a wall. I can take the risk. Get back to the way that things used to be. It's like I said, those days are gone. Hey everybody, welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And today, Devin's finally made good on his threat of making (laughs) Ryan and I watch a movie he's been talking to us about for months now. Seems like years, but this movie just came out last year. So Devin, uh, tell us what you had us watch today. All right, so have you guys watch a uh, 2019 movie called Captive State. Uh, IMDb has it as an action horror sci-fi movie. I agree with exactly one of those. Um, it is, it's a weird, it's, I feel like it's a weird pick and I really wanted you guys to watch it because I wanted another opinion on the movie. So I saw this movie just as, oh, as a little bit of background, this movie, I saw it because John Goodman's in it. Uh, he was the, he, I saw John Goodman plus aliens and like, well, I'm on board. I'm going to watch that movie. <laughs> um, but it's, it was a movie that I had seen in 2019 when it first came out in theaters, uh, with, um, my wife's dad. Uh, and I saw it and I loved the movie. I thought it was really well done and I enjoyed the ending a lot. Uh, and he saw it and went, I don't think there was a plot there. I think I just watched John Goodman be angry for about two hours. And that was like, those were like two completely different takes. So from that moment on, I'm like, I need somebody else to watch this movie and I need somebody else to weigh in on this movie with me, please. So you guys are my guinea pigs. I <laughs> want to know how other people that watch movies feel about this movie. And if you don't like it, that's totally fine. Like, that's valid. I just want to know. So I'll start with Alan. Okay. Across from me. So I enjoyed it. It's a mixed bag, though. There's okay. a lot. I have a lot of issues with this movie. And it, there's a lot of things it does. There's a few things it does really well. There's a lot of things that I was like, why are you going about it this way? Mm-hmm. Uh, just from a storytelling point of view. It's very low budget, and you can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, they s- seem to spend their budget in the right places, though, and I think they use that low budget to its adva- to their advantage. Uh, it was directed by Rupert Wyatt, who did Rise of the Planet of the Apes, yeah. the first of the Andy Serkis Apes movies with uh, James Franco, and I really like that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, I overall, I... Felt one way about I, I didn't really enjoy the movie the whole way through, mm-hmm. but there was a moment where it turned and I was like, oh, OK. And I think it sold me on it. And I, you know what? I think I know what you're talking about and we'll get into yeah, it. Yeah, we'll in get into minute. spoilers then. Yeah. Brian, what did you think? This is one of my favorite sci-fi movies now. Yes. Oh, Flat my gosh. Out. I love that. Good. Flat out. Um, and, and we'll get into the aspects of it. But mm-hmm. my summary is finally a different take on alien invasion. Well, and that was what sold me on the movie. Yeah. And I, and I, and I like the whole idea of like freedom fighters. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that it's freedom fighters against a like alien invaders Mm -hmm. instead of like ourselves. Right. Because it completely took out the whole like human political aspect of it and made it something that everybody could like, yeah, yeah. Definitely do that. Yeah. yeah. Get and, 
I, I want to save everything else for when we start diving into stuff. But okay. like my chills, like right now on my arm, <laughs> okay. like you guys can see that my like hair is standing yeah. so up on end. I think a good way to describe the world that this movie is set in mm-hmm. is like the exact opposite of District 9. Right. So, I mean, the world for anybody who hasn't seen the movie, because I feel like this didn't get a lot of viewership. I is, would say not. I had no idea about this movie until you brought oh, it up. Wow. I, the watched. only what, the only reason I knew about this movie was, you guys know I watched the CW superhero shows. Yeah. <laughs> I would get commercials for this on the CW app whenever I went to watch those shows oh, the that's next cool. day. Um, so I knew about it. I was like, oh, John Goodman's in a movie. That, that looks good. <laughs> well, I mean, so the premise of it is that aliens invade. They're immediately like just a superior alien race. And we have basically two options. We could either start fighting them or we can just kind of submit to whatever. So this is 10, nine or 10 years after the alien invasion and humans have just submitted. We can't beat them. So they now are, they are, you know, we're captive to them. Basically we are the captive state. They, they are our legislators. They, they are leg- exactly. In every sense of that word, which I, again, I love that terminology. Another point check. Awesome. Right. That they use on this movie. They use terminology and. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> well, I mean, well, first, like that is a different take on it, though. Like, yeah, I haven't usually it's kind of the Red Dawn take of it where it's like they're invading. Let's push them back now. Or I guess not even Red Dawn. I guess we do Independence Day like they're invading. They're superior. But while they're doing it, we'll figure out now. This feels more scrappy and more like desperate, I think. Yeah, this feels like, you know, the like the French resistance going against the right. Nazis. Like that's I I love that kind of a storyline. Mm-hmm. And that part of it, like, that's what that's what got me into the theater. That and John Goodman. So I'll watch John Goodman in anything. <laughs> um, but that and John Goodman is what got me into the theater. Now, Alan had mentioned uh, a couple of storytelling issues. And I, I've i seen that, too. Like, I've seen critique of this movie where they say that it has storytelling issues. And I think on my first watch of it, uh, without ruining anything, I noticed that the movie does a, a good job of or does a job of showing you a thing. Not telling you at all what that thing is, just being like, this is the thing. Having the characters interact with the thing because they know what it is, but they're not telling you what it is. And then five or six scenes later, somebody like explains it or you see it in use. And at first that really bugged me because I think they did it with the collar. It was the collar. They, they put the collar on him. And I because I mean, now that I've seen this movie three times now and I know what everything is, so I forget what it was first, but like. They do the collar. I'm like, what's the collar? What is this? And nobody goes, take this collar. It'll do this thing for you. You just wait to naturally see what it is. What does the collar do again? It right. blocks their signal. Yeah, it blocks okay. the signal to the implant that they have. Okay. And like, but that's a good, like, that's a, I think it's a fair critique of the movie. Like, yeah. For me, it was more, it just kept introducing characters with no explanation. Mm-hmm. And it it did the same thing where like here's here's this here's this redhead girl who's working on a car and then like she gets the thing taken out of her and it's like okay like we're gonna follow her along with her friends and see what happens and now okay. her hair is dark and like it was just introducing characters without explaining who they were like mm-hmm. no they, like there was no reason like your main characters weren't involved with them uh, and it took a little bit to figure out who they were and what they were working on. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could figure it out eventually, but it didn't tell you right up front what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kept doing that. Like every other scene, it was introducing new characters. Like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> are we good? I feel like this movie would have been just as good if you focused on John Goodman and made it a detective story. Oh. I think you could eliminate a lot of the issues I have with it if you make it like a almost like a film noir mm-hmm. where it, it's him working on this case and trying to find these people. And you see bits and pieces of them like like they do, like they show, mm-hmm. but focus more on him. Like my main critique of this is probably more John Goodman, please, <laughs> uh, because I I could use more of him. Like yeah. I liked his his t- his portrayal of the character, uh, this guy who knows one of the guys he's hunting down because mm-hmm. he was his dad's partner mm-hmm. back when the whole thing started. And so he has this connection to this kid and. Mm-hmm. Like you feel for him, like he doesn't want to have to be doing this stuff, and like it, that's an interesting aspect of it. Like he, part of him is like torn on this case, but he's also like committed to the captive state and the legislators. Mm-hmm. So he's like going along with this. And I, I think if you 
treated this more as a detective story mm-hmm. with everything that's going on in the in La Resistance. <laughs> um, I think it would have been a little bit better story wise, a, a little bit tighter. Yeah, mm-hmm. just cut cut the uh, just a little bit less of that deep dish pizza than. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what did you think, Ryan? Did you have that same kind of reaction? No. No? (laughs) He he loved it. Of course he did. (laughs) And there's a reason for it. One, this movie starts with the brothers Mm -hmm. and the parents. And they show, and you listen to the radio. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those things, like, this movie gripped me. Mm -hmm. And a lot of stuff happened fast. So I'll admit, like, there were times where I was hitting, like, the back play button. So I could, like, rehear the radio. Mm -hmm. And, like, because I I always have the, the... the caption on oh yeah so um because like i was drawn in at the very beginning when they were going through like you know the aliens show up mm-hmm. you know and all this other stuff and then they do i and then they do like the parents trying to drive away and escaping and they're talking on the radio about how like the u.s and other governments are signing in uh a armistice and the troops are going back to bases mm-hmm. and all this other stuff and i'm thinking like this sounds like a surrender like what the hell is what what the hell is the U.S. surrendering to? Right. But I knew that it was like an alien thing. But at that point, I was like, okay, so I I, I liked how they built that up. Mm-hmm. And then they show the parents get poofed yeah, pretty much. Really, yeah. um, and then they show the and they show the aliens, which I didn't. I mean, we'll get into their aesthetics oh, later. Yeah. But the movie starts with the parents and the focus is on the two brothers. Mm-hmm. So. I was surprised that John Goodman was in this as much as he was, because this movie is about them. Mm-hmm. This movie is about that. Like you, you light a match to start the war, or start mm-hmm. the flame or spark, whatever yeah. spark flame match, whatever, whatever that was. Cause I can't remember right now. Cause I'm tired, <laughs> um, yeah. but I feel like that's what that was. It was that moment because they were trying to get away to begin with and like, try to like mm-hmm. escape. And they got stopped, they got killed, mm-hmm. and the brothers decided to pick it up on their own. Mm-hmm. And, like, they were thrust, like, especially the younger brother, you know, when you're talking about how, like, the collar thing, how, like, they didn't yeah. like, explain that. To me... Oh, even, I'm sure they explained it, but we'll get in. Like, well, I mean, I, I, get, I kept getting dis, dis, uh, disrupted watching this. Oh, that's gotcha. fine, that's so, fine. Some, Two guys just kept showing up at my at And one of them apartment. needed yeah. a McFlurry yeah. now. Yeah. I got you. I got you. Uh. So, it's like they, th- they, you follow the kid mm-hmm. through an experience he's never had before. Mm-hmm. Like he, has he carried stuff? Yes. Mm-hmm. He, you know, but he's never, because like he goes to that guy that clearly he knows him, but then the van drives up a van that he's, you know, a type of van that he has seen mm-hmm. the secret police pretty much throw people in and drive off on. Mm-hmm. This van pulls up, he starts to panic and goes, well, what are you doing? And then he gets a collar put on him and he's freaking out in the back of the van. And he's trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Like they're letting you experience the same kind of feelings that the character is feeling. Mm-hmm. So if he doesn't know something, you don't know it either. Right. And then you find out as they go along. Now he does. I think he takes the thing off when he gets into the building. Yeah. At that point, so maybe he does know about the collar, mm-hmm. but the van threw him off. Right. Yeah. So I mean, and they eventually get to it. It's just there's a there's other films and other mediums that I've watched that this is the traditional style. So I'm yeah. used to something like this. See, where see, I think part most of what you were saying about like the the radios and yeah. the, the opening with the parents, that's all world building. Yeah. And yeah. this movie does a great job of oh, that. I, yeah. Well, I think what I'm trying to say is my my problem is this movie has a hard time focusing on the story. It it's about the brothers and it's about John Goodman. But then it, when it gets away from those those three mm. and it starts focusing on Alan Ruck and everything that they're doing, it, it just becomes very distracted. And I wish when you showed that stuff, it was a little bit more explained instead of just here's here's new people without any introduction to or connect or beginning connection to the three main characters as okay. is of this story. You see it as not being like tight and together and mm. telling the same story all the way yeah. through. I see that it does. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, not up front. There's a point, and we're going to have to get into spoilers here yeah. eventually, 
but there is a point where it all comes together. There is it, but I just wish it was not as well. Is it because up in the air up until that point? Is it because the main character isn't really kind of told you until the end? Where like the main character is like the brothers you're kind of experiencing. It. Yeah, like, they're they're the the they are the audience insert character are yeah. the brothers like that's who you're supposed to feel for and relate to. But they're not the main character of this. The main character of this is the resistance movement. Mm-hmm. And that resistance movement is multifaceted. But you don't know that until the very end. Then you go, oh, my God, we weren't following a character. We were following the movement. Yeah. And like, I think that's kind of a different, like, approach to storytelling. And see, that's how I see this. That's why I like it. And that's why I feel there's no issue with the storytelling. <laughs> <laughs> no, right, right. Well, and, and to be fair, this movie is a very different watch the second time. Yeah. Because oh, you yeah. know everything. Like, you know what's going on. You can see the little hints, like... You can see like, okay, well, he has the collar on. This is what the collar does. I'm not searching for it. And I think possibly it's because I I found the whole trope, you know, Greeks bearing yeah. gifts. I, I, I have family members that have used that term in my past. Oh, okay. So I got, I kind of got the meaning on that. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. Because why do they keep bringing that up? Because they go into the fact that like, I'm not supposed to be like, I'm a cop. I'm not supposed to be here mm-hmm. type deal. And then he comes in again and later in the movie and she plays the music again, mm-hmm. kind of loud before they start talking. And there's stuff that I'm real. I'm like, there's something going on here. There's something different going on here. Uh-huh. Like there's more to this than what they're showing. And that's where I was getting like gripped into it. Mm-hmm. And so it was one of those things where like when the reveal happened, I was like, yes because i knew there was something there but i had no idea where they were going but it was when what really tipped me off on it that there was something definitely more than what i was than what they were showing Mm -hmm. was when he goes to um the prostitute yeah and she turns around and goes gabriel and he just says how do you, How do you know, know me? Yep. And there's no point in the movie at all that relates that she should know who he is at all. Exactly. And it was exactly. at that point I was like, music, Greek, the, the, uh-huh. the, the Trojan horse thing. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. And then when it finally happened, I was hair on my arms <laughs> and I was standing up. Like that's like, like, yeah, these are the kind of film, like these are the kind of stories I love. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of hard to open up to like a story like this. No, no, well, the, so, the thing, well, the, the question was, how did I feel about this movie? This is yeah. how I felt about the movie yeah. watching it. Yeah. But when it got to that point, I was like, this makes sense now. Yeah. Like the whole reason they're going about telling the story this way yeah. is for that moment. Yeah. And it, it has, it, it pays off. Yeah. And I mean, so do you want to just get into spoilers then? So we can actually talk about that moment. We can. Yeah. Okay. So, if you haven't seen Captive State, uh, <laughs> definitely go see it. I mean, it, it's rated a little low on IMDb because people have a lot of the same problems that Alan does. I've seen that critique of it a lot. Is uh, It's kind of clunky storytelling, but I, I honestly think it's worth the payoff. Um, but so the, the part that you're talking about, Alan, is the, the part at the very end where you find out that all of these kind of disparate pieces or disparate people are all actually working as a single part of this faction where all of their successes and failures were all actually part of a bigger plot to get John Goodman to be kind of the courier for um, the legislators to go down with a bomb and blow them up and to basically start an attack on their base, which then kind of, it, it lights the fire. It, start, it spreads everything mm-hmm. out. So that reveal happens in the last like three minutes of the movie, maybe. Yeah. Well, even before that, because you have John Goodman meeting with a prostitute. Well, and for watching the movie, I was so mad because I'm like, they're hunting her. Like, he's looking for that person whose room he was just in. Yeah. So I'm like, are they not telling the story in order? Like, why? Why is this happening? And it made sense then. And it made sense that she knew his name. But one of the critiques I have seen about the movie, and I've, I've like read an article about it and I don't know how I feel. They said that it didn't earn its twist at the end. And I, I want to get your read on that. Cause I think it was fine. I don't think that it like in my mind, a movie not earning its twist is you have three characters that are talking in a room and then a fourth character comes in and it's that fourth character. Like someone who has any part of the movie at all. Like it, it was just out of the blue and a twist for the sake of a twist. 
I don't think that's how this movie was set up and don't agree with the criticism, but I want to get your guys' take on it. Cause I mean, I don't, I don't see a lot of movies with twists that I don't see coming often. And that is not to make me sound like a, I'm a hyper intellectual. Like <laughs> it's just most of the time I'm like, Oh, it's the that's only other character totally that good. isn't a good guy. Got it. It told, it's totally that like, don't, don't tell people that it's not. That's what you're going for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a little better than everyone else. <laughs> I think it earned it. Yeah. Uh, if it had just kept going the way that if it, if you didn't have that twist at the end, this movie would be be a mess. Okay. But I think it's a mess to get to that twist, and it pays off and mm-hmm. is worth it. Yeah, I who whoever wrote that article doesn't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I mean, it's an, it's an opinion. It's not a fact. It is an it's opinion. their opinion. So. It is an opinion. It's a fact. It's just I don't usually like. It's one of those things where yeah, I do have strong opinions on stuff, but this is one of those times that I'm going to let myself be arrogant about it, <laughs> <laughs> and just say that it definitely earned it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So let's talk about the aliens in this. Yes. So. <sighs> as I hinted at earlier, Devin and Ryan came over when I was watching this. Mm-hmm. And I said to Dev, I was like, I got a joke about the the aliens. They they look like they're just made out of mechanical pencil lead. <laughs> I didn't think about that. that. That's what the aliens look like. And then it, I guess it's just a protective suit. Mm, that's what it seems like. Okay, so they stole that from Independence Day, but like, let's make them like porcupines made out of <laughs> out of graphite. <laughs> I Which mean, was weird. It's a different take. It's a, it's definitely a different take. I think that it also is like some concept <clears throat> artist. Like I don't know. I'm just gonna draw lines and see what I like it. I found like, it. <laughs> I think that it's hard nowadays to draw unique looking aliens, and I think that this was a good attempt. Like I think this landed squarely somewhere in between like uh, Independence Day aliens and like I don't know, like whatever was going on in a. Uh, in a quiet place. I don't know if those are aliens or like of the earth. But like, it looked like they were kind of a mix between the two. I don't know either because we never saw a quiet place too. Oh, it's supposed to have come out now, isn't it? Several times. This, <laughs> we, this year's weird and I it hate is. it. it Ugh. But yeah, I, I thought the design was fine. I thought it was cool whenever they like took the helmet off. And I'm like, there's more. Yeah. And then you had like the predator type aliens. I like the predator pretty, aliens yeah. a little bit more. The, a, a, a lipless predator type alien because yeah, very yes that was seriously a sucker they for a look mouth. like yeah, they look weird. like yeah. a mix of the predator and the covenant from halo yeah yeah and yeah. i like that definitely now i know we're talking about like similarities between other aliens but with all of the like lines and like dents in the face that like would be like eyes or heat sensor mm-hmm. vision whatever because it was like the it was a weird combination of like holes and slits all over the face yeah all i could think of was like the back of a lamborghini with like the crazy tail lights <laughs> all over the place like that's all i could think of yeah but um uh the aliens i mean even though like i said like i'm, I'm all about this movie but i am gonna say stuff that's kind of like but you just said like this is amazing why are you saying yeah. stuff like this well because i'm human and <laughs> and everybody's and everybody is a hypocrite in every aspect of their life oh, so of i course. whatever um i when they first showed the aliens at the first i was like oh my god jim henson because <laughs> they look like muppets because <laughs> they look like muppets at first and they, they've got like the locks of hair uh-huh. but then when they turned all spiny uh-huh. i understood like I understood it. Yeah. It um, design choice. Because it's definitely intimidating, mm-hmm. which if they're going to come down to evade Earth, they've definitely done their scouting. So they're going to pick something if, if they can design their suits in a way that be like, OK, so we need a suit that's that's intimidating when they first see it. Mm-hmm. So let's do something that they can't like you can't. It was hard to focus on what the detail was of the alien it, and, unless it was like in your face. Right. And I liked that. Um, so that, so I could see why that's why they had like the Muppet thing. Mm-hmm. And I loved how that was used as like a weapon slash defense. Mm-hmm. So like you have these like fibers that look like, like unwashed long hair yeah. and it turns into like daggers almost. And I really, it, it was definitely a different take on it. Yeah. And the fact that that was like a suit at the same time, like, I would have loved to been in the conversations where they were coming up with the visual for these aliens. Yeah. Because 
it was unique. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it worked. I But the one thing I will say, when the one alien is old needly and it's rolling around the back of the van with the character shoved underneath the like folded van seat, uh, there is no way those needles couldn't get through fabric and foam. Like that guy would have been a pincushion. Yeah, there were a couple times when I was like, should that character actually be needle dead now? Maybe, yeah, maybe, exactly. maybe the foam is like their kryptonite. That's <laughs> their one weakness. Yeah, well, I mean, there's or that. or a Scarts Garden, and they just yeah. can't get through a Scarts Garden. <laughs> well, that, and then the one guy gets stabbed with, with with like the arm or leg or whatever the thing was shoving into the van, mm. and um, the guy's pulling out like almost like uh, kind of like how a bee stings you and it leaves the stinger in. Like he was pulling things out of his chest. I would have liked kind of an explanation like, does he need to pull that out because it's a, is it a tracker? Does it leave venom? Like, you know, what's, you know, why did he automatically know that he needed to pull that out? Some parts of this movie felt like it wanted to be movie one in a longer series or at least a sequel or yeah. like, like it felt like it was doing a lot of setup work now for something that's going to be bigger payoffs later or at least more explanation later. Yeah, see, And that's the problem with Hollywood. Like yeah. that, That's been a lot of what movies have been mm-hmm. is we're going to set this up and we're going to do a sequel down the road. Um, and it's independent films like like I'm going to consider this like a smaller smaller films like this that do it. It's bigger films like the Power Rangers that did it. Like they tease Tommy at the end of that and then they, they scrap the sequel right away. Yeah. Um, it, they do so much to set up to explain later and then it just never gets paid off. And I think one of the benefits of COVID is studios aren't going to take risks on stuff like that. They're either going to, they're going to make people put everything into this one movie. And then if it does well, then we'll talk sequel, but right. not, this is the start of a potential sequel or potential trilogy. Like it's, it's going to be its own, its own thing. It's going to have to stand on its own and then we'll go from there. And there was there was a lot of that in Hollywood before like all of this COVID stuff happened. Like I mean the whole like dark universe thing. Oh god. Like I've I don't think we watched the mummy for this. We did not. Uh have you guys seen the mummy? Uh uh-uh. I mean no. it's, the new one with Tom Cruise. Yeah. I tried watching it once. I didn't get all the way through it's it. It's a lot of that. Like it's a lot of like, okay, here's this mummy plot. Hold on. Let's introduce all of the universal monsters in some way for a while because we have to do some world building. And then let's hop back into the plot. Yeah. And like, I don't, I, I don't think it was as effective. And I think game. it, I think they found that it works better with the invisible man mm-hmm. because that's the new st- start of the, of the uh, monster universe. Oh, is it? They're really doing like a whole monster universe. Yeah. Oh. The next one will be the wolf man with Ryan Gosling. That's going to I'm putting this out there where the whole werewolf thing is like, I am the most critical of werewolf movies. How many have you seen? It's like four. I think I've seen American Werewolf in London and like three seconds of a Twilight movie. To me, like there are some, there are some monsters out there that (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to keep on going. And, and and I'm only pausing because I know he's doing what he's doing. That's more it's Twilight the dumbest than monster. <laughs> Wait, what? It's the dumbest it's monster. It's the dumbest monster? It, okay, so okay, so you get bit by a cat. Yeah. You turn into a cat. <laughs> Put it that way. Oh, and then we're gonna make it ambiguous. So it could be you could you could be a, a a French version of it or a Russian version of it. it, it, it it's, it's something that like you, you can take this monster aspect and put it into any culture mm-hmm. and build from it, which is, it's, that's kind of cool. The fact that you can have something that's that like usable, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's like dude gets bit, dude turns into a monster. Yeah. And Silver bullet, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Like, at least with zombies, even if, the, regardless of what they do, there's still a core to it. Yeah. And with the werewolf thing, it's just, it, it's, it's all over the place. It is really so the, the new one, I think, ha- is going to be set in modern day. It looks like they're trying to get the director from The Invisible Man to do it. 
from what I remember, it looks like he signed on. But from what I heard, I think it's going to be like he's a he's a newscaster who's afflicted with this and has to deal with that. And like it, it, it sounds like it's going to be it's they said that it, it's influenced by Nightcrawler with um, Jake, Gyllenhaal? Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal a little bit. Weird. Which is a weird take because I haven't seen that movie, but I know a bit about it. And he's like psychotic. Oh, I mean, it's a great so movie. I'm um, I'm really interested to see if they're going the route that Invisible Man took. Like, it's going to be a different take on it. Like, Invisible Man was not like, oh, look at me, I'm invisible. Uh, yeah. I do have to say, I do judge werewolf movies by the transformation. Okay. That's yeah. one thing I do oh, like yeah. about the werewolf. Like, the transformation of, like, how different people, like, view it is uh-huh. really cool to see. It's just, it's also a dumb-looking monster. <laughs> it, it is. No, you know what? I think I've seen it done in a way that, like, actually is a little scary. And I now have to add another movie to my my list because I forgot. Um, in one of the Harry Potter movies, this is Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, there's the there's the werewolf in it, and they make him a lanky werewolf. And I don't think I I wasn't prepared for a lanky werewolf, and I don't know why that scares me way more. But like, underfed lanky werewolves scare me because it looks like a walking corpse, kind of of a wolf. Probably, like with the extra long like arms and stuff. I don't know. Ugh. No. Why are all of the werewolves you've seen based off of children's novels? <laughs> this, this might be another reason why I don't really like werewolves, because it's like. Since I was a kid, bashed over my head, werewolf story, werewolf, story, uh, werewolf yeah. story, werewolf story. I'm like, stop. <laughs> well, you know what? I like the Invisible Man thing because it could be like a psychological horror. It's harder to do that with something that's like an actual, like genuine, like monster, I think. Yeah. And I can get us back into talking about captive state on that statement. Oh, I mean, it is an allegory. Like, that's totally a thing. And I can definitely get us back into talking about captive state. Do it, do it. Off that. Make the pivot. The reason why I like this movie, one of the reasons why I like this movie so much is because I feel like this is a true, this is the closest that I feel that that would actually happen during an alien invasion. Oh, well, especially with like the world building they do in it. Because they tell you like right off the bat, people are profiting off of this. Because they found a way to profit off of it. People well, are starting their careers based you know, on this. It's not just that. Uh-huh. The aliens made it that way. By yeah. studying our culture and studying every aspect of it, of like our economy, our culture, our entertainment, they figured out a way to keep us distracted mm-hmm. while they do what they do. Yeah. And bringing peace and harmony. I mean, for crying out loud, they changed the name. Uh, they changed the words in that song she sings yeah. at Soldier Field. It, she, instead of Lord, it's Light. Yep. And there's other changes in there too. And they completely transformed like the you know culture because hey, look, we're aliens. So this is proof that there is no God. So all the churches are like abandoned where would we do that um which was apparent by the church being completely destroyed and abandoned plus the priest tells um the one character to take her cross off because it will identify her right um and i just i feel like if there was going to be a like a like an an alien culture coming down to like harvest our resources Mm -hmm. the way that they depicted it in this film is the smartest way to go about it. And I like a lot of the little world building touches they added to that, like are really kind of background stuff, but kind of helps to fill in the world. We're like, when they go to soldier field, you can see that it's in disarray. Nobody's playing football there anymore. That's soldier field. So that what soldier field soldier field is maintained by the Chicago parks department. It's not (laughs) privately maintained by whoever owns the stadium. Oh, the Chicago soldier. Soldier Field uh-huh. is like the third or second worst maintained field in the league. Oh, so that's it looking its best. <laughs> that's it looking the way it normally does without the paint. So the way I took that was just uh-huh. they weren't playing at that point. Gotcha. But I mean, true. I'm also half joking yeah. at that point oh, yeah. because it, cause nobody's talking about sports. Mm-hmm. Nobody's wearing any sports team stuff, even fake sports team stuff. Mm-hmm. So it could very well be that like that's just poof. I don't understand why, because I feel like that would be a good distraction, a, a I lo- good thing to prop up. I looked at it as this is a low budget movie, so we're going to have to digitally remove anything that references anything in this stadium. Yeah, <laughs> and we don't we don't have the art department to make up something else. You know, what? I'm and, surprised they even got the rights to say Soldier Field, to be perfectly honest. And you know what? Now that we're saying that, I think my other cool bit of world building that I was really pumped about might just be low budget. 
Yeah. Where like when the kids are watching TV, they're watching like a 1920s cartoon in what what I'm assuming is like 2019. Yeah. If not like a year or two later. And I was like, wow, they like aren't making any new things. And they're, you know, kind of sanitizing what everybody watches. And all the kids have to watch these very basic cartoons. Probably they just could get the rights for that cartoon for the second it was on the screen. Which I like. Uh, I liked how they dealt with that, though, in the storyline, yeah. because um, they explain how old digital communication is nullified. Yeah. Um, so and and all of the broadcast on TVs was all local news. Yeah, that's right. Every broadcast was local news. So that fits right in with the fact that they're like destroying like hard drives and cell phones and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and all this different stuff. And the only people that have computers are either part of the resistance or the police. Okay. I want to talk about that computer for a second. Yes. The computer he uses to read the SD cards. Oh, yeah. Did you guys notice anything weird about that keyboard? I mean, some of the buttons were different colors. Yeah. Do you know why? No. I recognized it right away. That was a video editing keyboard. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Uh, which I was like, that that's a really cool thing that they put in there. Because he is looking at videos and yeah. stuff. So yeah. there are different keys. Like It just shows you like the shortcuts. Mm-hmm. For that, that way, you, if you're learning, you just can glance down and know them. Yeah. But in, that's cool. And that's a scene that I... Uh, and that's a scene where I actually paused Mm -hmm. because I wanted to read everything that was on the screen because I was so engrossed in this. I was like, this is one of those movies where they just put like stuff in, in words on screens and billboards and stuff that just like deepen everything. And you have to know. So I, I exactly, I just, I have to know. So I paused and I read everything on that screen. And what I found really cool was at the bottom, it was saying that like any unauthorized delete, uh, any unauthorized deletion of files can result in off-planet. Uh, what's the term when they expel like, somebody from exile? a country? Exile. Exile. Off-planet exile. And that's what that thing was that was constantly going and off that's into what they the did lake. To the brother in the end. Yeah, they off-planet oh. exile. That was one of those things that they were saying right at the beginning with all of the typing going across mm-hmm. the screen, where like there were rumors of off-planet exiling. Right. And that's what that ship was going off the, the mm. lake. So, okay. I've got a question about that. Okay. They, they make a lot of references to like Trojan horses and the, and the Greeks. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think him being on that ship is where he wants to be? Do you think there's a grander plan that we don't see in this that may have been for down the line if this got a sequel? I mean, I think knowing who that character is there almost has to be. Okay. Like, and I think that would be so cool to see too. Like, what's he doing on the ship? Like, where are they going, and what's their plan from there? Yeah, it would also show why he was still alive, right? From that original group, because mm-hmm. so, he was one of the few. Yeah, well, the only one. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Yeah, that's true. Well, he was the only one that lived from the original cell. He was the only one that was still alive from that original like task that they talk about, and then everybody else is like the second wave of it, and then. John Goodman was like the third wave. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was a fourth wave. And from the very end of the movie with all the X's, to me, I yeah. take that as it happened in Chicago, then it happened in Philly, then yeah. New York. That's how I took that. And then they had all the news clips of riots and stuff all over the world. So yeah. so I'm beginning to wonder if Rupert Wyatt just likes ending his movies with maps of other things happening <laughs> in other cities. Because the ending of Rise of the Planet of the Apes is the virus spreading and it's kind of like what you saw in March with COVID. Like, right. It was like the, that virus spreading around the world and, and infecting the other rest yeah. of it. I don't know. I like that, though. I thought it was effective. I, mean, I guess that's his trademark. Like J.J. Abrams got the lens flare. He's got the map got of the, every of things spreading around the world. <laughs> <laughs> the the Pittsburgh person in me did like that. They showed a clip of like what was supposed to be Pittsburgh at the end. I was like, yeah, all right. Yeah. You get some representation in there. Um, how, so I, I think Ryan might've answered this a little bit, but I mean, how realistic did you think like a lot of this plot was like, did a lot of it, I mean, obviously aliens, like we can like all <laughs> that aside, like, do you think something like this would actually like an authoritarian government, right? The authoritarian government and that the U S or the world would basically just roll over and go like, fine, like take the, because that's kind of what the premise of the whole movie is. And if you can't buy into that, the rest of the movie is hard to buy into. The reason why I bought into it mm-hmm. was because of how the parents died at the very beginning. Right. I'm sorry, but if I was like a general or like I was in charge of an army base mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, look, like 
we need to fight this like onslaught that's coming on. Mm -hmm. That's because I mean, this movie kind of ties into another film that I like with aliens, like battle Los Angeles Mm. or battle of Los Angeles, where it's like modern forces against aliens. Mm -hmm. And I was in charge of a unit and I saw half my unit just go poof in front of me. Yeah. I'm done. Right. Sorry. No thanks. <laughs> you're want. either done or you're like, let's go get the son of a bitch and then travel to space with Captain Marvel. <laughs> exactly. In a non-MCU environment. Yeah. <laughs> There's no such thing. I, I can see it, but I can also... I'm surprised it's not a bigger resistance. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like you would have part of the government like, oh, yeah, we're just going to hand everything over. But then, like, one general... One president, the president will say the one general, like, don't let this happen. Like, immediately start the resistance. Go to Area 51, go figure out something. (laughs) Which, they they only talk about the incident that happened before this movie starts. The one that the brother supposedly died in. Right. They only talk about that. But they also show, like, the the parents are freaking out. The dad says, no, we need to go back and we need to regroup. And that's why he's, like, blowing through all of the checkpoints. Yeah. And they eventually get poofed. Um... I really don't know how else to explain it. I mean, it's yeah, it's just poof. I because mean, they just turn into like red mist for yeah, like three right. seconds yeah. and then it fades I, what, away. The way I took it was because the shield, the windshield breaks. I took it as one of the spikes came through and made them poof. Oh, maybe no, that's what because that is. the hunter poofs the girl. And he doesn't have a spike. But you only see that from a distance. You don't. No, no, it's like you do, but that thing was wearing a metal suit. That thing had no spikes. Well, it might have been. It might have had them concealed some other like way. A spike or like a weapon. I see that as an energy weapon. I see that as a pure energy weapon because they show like if you watch that first scene, there's like a shock wave almost that hits the car. It, before but if the it's a, goes out. if it's an energy weapon, why does it not hit the kids in the back seat? There, energy you know, energy would keep going. To depend. The way that I okay to deep dive into it yeah. and go oh, head yeah. cannon. This is where I'm going. They are aliens. They have spiky suits. They have these ships that can go from here to there. They had these giant, what looked like cannons on the shore of Chicago. But the way that I saw that cannon, especially with how it was used in the bus, is that it can be like ranged. Like the first thing it hits, it hits and dissipates. Mm, Gotcha. So as soon as it hits like, like, uh, like, um, like biomaterial, it 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 stops. It's done. It's yeah. done. Like that's where like the force is. And besides, I also thought it was really cool the fact that it didn't kill the kids because if they're trying to like have fake good graces, mm-hmm. and the parents are trying to run away, and there's two kids in the back seat, like it looks better to be like, yes, no. The mom and the dad were disobeying orders. We had to stop them, but we didn't want to endanger the children in the backseat because it was not their decision. Right. So part of me getting wrapped up in this world is like seeing things like that and just assuming that's what they were trying to do. And but it was so easy for me to assume that. And that's why I've kind of like just like that's what they were doing. Right. Like, well, it's easy to assume these are my on, blocks. Right. And based on their <laughs> actions throughout the whole rest of the movie, too. Yeah. Like. They, you can tell that they're, they want to, you know, extort whatever they're doing here. They, they're here for a reason. Yeah. But they want to make it as seamless of a thing as possible. And you can tell their mentality is like, okay, we're going to rule over these people, but we can't be super authoritarian. We have to have them feel like they have some autonomy here. Yeah. And because, I mean, they put literal bugs, like, like literal bugs. animals yeah. in, in, like, like in their necks that are like chipped to like who, you know, to, it's like who uh who they are and they talk about it in the movie like mm-hmm. crime is like next to none even yeah. though they show crime going on it's just not in, taken care of um everybody's in harmony and like and all of this other stuff so like they're trying to be like look we're giving you this protection mm-hmm. it's a big universe we're here to help you we just need some stuff from you right and so that's where like all of that comes in but i do see the spike thing i do if it wasn't for the bus scene Okay. Yeah. That's where I'm coming from. I mean, it could be a different version of that. Right. Yeah. So. So how did you guys feel about the design of the spaceships in the movie? Because alien. Alien. I mean, <laughs> basically, they look like so it's, big rocks with a fin. Everything alien-wise in this movie is drawn rough. 
Everything, mm-hmm. everything's rough. It doesn't have smooth edges. It's not polished silver or chrome mm-hmm. or flying saucers. Everything's rough. It has like edges and it's all edgy. Yeah, it's, it's very edgy. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed that mm-hmm. take because it's a little bit different. It reminded me almost of Arrival, but even in Arrival, they're a little yeah. bit more rounded. It, it just reminded me of the aliens, I think, in yeah. Arrival. Um, so it. I liked that it was a different take. It wasn't all smooth edges. It it all had like design to it. What? Oh no. no. This is a sequel to Arrival. No, it's not. This would be really cool if it was a sequel. I like that you shut it down no, right not. away. I don't it, I it's, be... it's fine. Alan and I are so far apart on this film that he can go ahead and do that and it doesn't disrupt me. That's it. This is this is a sequel to Arrival. Ha, tell me. Okay, so they arrive. Good graces mm-hmm. talks about military bases being pulled back. Everybody was freaked out in arrival that the all of the military was out all over the world, all, you know, all over all of the ships. Mm-hmm. But then we made peace. Mm-hmm. So then all of the military went back and then they showed back up, you know, because we made friends with them. So our guard was down and, and then they started brokering like peace. And then people were like, this isn't what we originally signed up for. And then everything started falling apart. And maybe during arrival, it was them learning he, more about us. He, here's my problem with the arrival thing. Wouldn't we know because of the time travel stuff and arrival if she sees the future? Unless she dies. Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. I forget how the time travel stuff works, but I know that like it's, she it's their language. Time. It, it's it, yeah. it's like the way they communicate cuts through time or something. Yeah. I, I don't know. I thought that was a great take on aliens too, though. That's also one of my yeah. favorite sci-fi movies. That is an issue with my, that is definitely an issue with my wanting of having these two be connected. It's a spiritual but I, sequel, but yeah. I, it's I like the, care. okay, so <laughs> we back off of the aliens who are here. What happens if they return on us? Yeah. So I, I, yeah. I can see him as cousins. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Hmm. In the, we, speaking of alien movies, were we ever supposed to get a District 10? We were supposed to. Are we sad that we didn't get a District 10? I no. Kinda, I kind of am. am. I, I thought it was interesting. I think it was very topical how they did the, the aliens at the time. Like treating the aliens kind of like the refugees like and having them be like the other. I think that's super cool. And that's what I like the most about like sci-fi and fantasy is it's another way to take like a trope or like an actual problem in the real world and kind of funnel it into something that everyone can get behind and isn't like, yeah, but those people, like you don't have to do that. See, my problem with District 9 is I could not get behind the main character because he was too much of a cartoon character. <laughs> I don't even remember him, to be honest. I, I, I like I was like, I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, wow, this is a really cool idea. But I hate the people they're basing this movie around. <laughs> And I just couldn't get behind it. And this is one of those things where it's like, oh, he's turning into an alien. Awesome. This would be great if I cared about this person. <laughs> so I take on District 9. There you go. According <laughs> to IMDb, there's still one in development. No way. Yeah. Oh, Neil man. Blomkamp's wanted to make it for years, but he's been distracted by other work like the, the uh, RoboCop reboot. Oh, right. So it's still happening. They're, they're they're rebooting everything. That's true. RoboCop's uh, like uh, OCP and RoboCop is getting its own TV show on like USA. Oh wow! Yeah, it's, it's a RoboCop prequel without RoboCop. That's weird. I'd buy that for fifty cents more than like, the, I wouldn't buy that for a dollar. The only way I can see that happening is if it's a view on the dangers of. Like Detroit. corporate America taking over a public institution. Yeah. No. That's the only way I could see that working. I, I, I don't see that. Like, that's going to be really. Nice. I mean, I, I said the same thing about Fargo when that show came out. Like, how's that going to work? Like, it's not like it's such a good film. Why do you need to make a series about it? And then the series. And uh, the series is great. I'm see three seasons in. Thanks, <laughs> Kevin. Uh, There's a bit of a difference between the whole RoboCop CP, you know, that yeah. thing and Fargo, though. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's talk a little bit about John Goodman because I don't think we've given yes. him his due. <laughs> what What is the first thing you guys remember John Goodman from? Oh my gosh. Okay, y'all are gonna be mad. The first, the really, the first thing I think I've ever like because I haven't watched a lot of John Goodman movies okay. like when I was little. I swear to God, if you say King Ralph, it's not okay. It's gonna be the Family Guy Ooh. skit where they talk about him at Thanksgiving. 
That's like my first real introduction to John Goodman. Okay, okay, no, no, okay, no, no. I, I think I have, but before you saw that skit, uh-huh. have had you have seen him? Thinking back on it, have you seen him and stuff? Like you like saw a movie, you just didn't realize that it was that, like John Goodman. Yeah, I mean. I hadn't watched Big Lebowski up until that point. About Roseanne. I, I'd never watched Roseanne. I saw him in, I mean, he was a, a voice in Emperor's New Groove. Okay. Oh, you know what? I think I saw him in the Flintstones and kind of hated it. The Flintstones? Okay. Yeah, okay. Which so is yeah, fine. He was, <laughs> yeah, he was the guy from the Flintstones then for me. You yabba dabba didn't like it? No, no, I did not. I yabba dabba do. <laughs> uh, Brian, how about you? It was Roseanne. Yeah. For me, I watched the Flintstones all the time because that was like the one one of the few VHS tapes that I liked uh-huh. that we had. So it was like that, Willy Wonka and Free Willy. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I, I've always known him as Fred Flintstone yeah. and Dan Connor from oh, Roseanne. From, from Roseanne. I mean, for me, where I was like, oh, I like this actor was him and Big Lebowski. Okay. Because he has all of the quotable lines in that. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. All of <laughs> Honestly, and I really hope I'm getting this right, but my favorite character he's ever done was in, uh, was it Flight? Yeah, it was, yeah, he was the, in Flight. Yeah, it was that character. Uh-huh. He, that is my favorite character he's ever done. Honestly, my favorite is him in 10 Cloverfield Lane. I love <laughs> John. I love not knowing if John Goodman's the bad guy or not, which is what this movie did too. Yeah. I definitely like this version of John Goodman versus Aliens than John Goodman versus Aliens from 10 Cloverfield Lane. Did you not like 10 Cloverfield Lane? The last five minutes absolutely killed the movie for me. Alan already knows about this. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of there with you. I mean, I think it would have been cooler if they either left it in suspense or like, I mean, the last five to ten minutes made a lot of sense for the, the protagonist story arc. Like, that's why they put it in the movie. And, and to like world build, I guess, and to like sequel bait. But I don't know. I, I liked what made the movie great for me was the opposite of what the last 10 minutes was, I think. The movie went from being like, wow, this is really cool to mm-hmm. being like, I'm never watching this again, was when the ship started coming at her. Yeah. When she got up and she escaped and she stood up and there was a UFO in the sky. Mm-hmm. To me, it should have been credits. If it turned right to her then in there. credits, that would have been cool. But then you wouldn't have had that moment at the end where she decided to actively take a part in her own future, which is yeah, new for no, her. To me, that was just like the storytellers going, he was right, he was right, and like choking the audience member. Like, he was right, he was right. And how the hell And how the hell does she survive being in a pickup truck being dropped 60 feet on its roof? That's no, don't even try. I'm sorry. No, I am being more arrogant oh, about my no, opinions no, no. this episode the than way, I normally the am. The way he feels about... Ten Cloverfield Lane is how I feel about Clover to- Cloverfield Paradox. So Never seen it. You're better off. Really? Um, so uh, I'm looking. I'm looking through John Goodman's IMDb to see if there's anything else I wanted to talk about. Uh-huh. He's really good in The Righteous Gemstones, which is on HBO. And if you guys haven't seen I it, I have not. It's a very comedic look at evangelical super churches. Oh, um, weird. Starring like him, Danny McBride. It, it's really good. Um. And I'm looking through it, and he's in the Legos Incredibles game. Is he? Yeah. And I was like, wait, who's he in the Incredibles? They haven't listed as James P. Sullivan. So I guess Sullivan, Sully oh. from uh, Monsters, Inc. shows up in that That's game. That's really cool. Which kind of makes me want to play that game now. Yeah. I liked him in Argo. Was he in Argo? Yeah, I yeah. liked him in Argo. I just yeah. liked Argo, I think. Argo was good. Yeah. It was. It was just... I love John Goodman as like the drug dealer and like his mm-hmm. just persona in flight was just I it was like you could almost tell that John Goodman was like, yeah, I get to be a really cool badass. And he just like <laughs> really went into that small character role that was in that movie. I can't think of anything that he was in that I didn't like, like just well, looking at this paranormal with this movie. I love how like you can tell that he did everything he could. He he walked in his acting and his performance was great in walking the line between when you first watch this movie, you're going to think that I'm just stressed. But then the second time you see this movie, you're going to see that I'm freaking out inside and trying yep. to keep cool. 
because I took the whole thing as like, please come with me, please come with me mm-hmm. and like leave. I took that as him as like, he was just one of those poor guys that falls in love with a prostitute right. and he knew that something bad was going to happen and he wanted to get her into you know, to get her into a safe place. And she's like, dude, I'm a prostitute. Yeah, you can't, like, you can't do that. Have you ever seen Moulin Rouge? Like, <laughs> it's like, it, it's like, you know, this isn't going to turn out good. <laughs> I have Which not honestly, seen... that's not too far as what happened to her. I have not seen Moulin Rouge. It's on the list now. It's definitely on the it's list. It's on now. the list. Okay. Um, yeah. No, and it's. I, I read a review of this movie where they said that like, oh, there's John Goodman who didn't bother to change his facial expression, and I'm like, but he did though. It just was a subtle. Like he, his performance in this is very subtle because his character has to be wearing a mask. Yeah. And imagine yeah. how hard that is for an actor to portray, to portray someone that's heartbroken to see someone he cares about dead on a table, but can't show that to a room of people because he's working for a greater good. And right. he has to, and that's, that's so, I mean, that has to be so hard for an actor to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I disagreed with that comment a lot. Yes. And that's, that's one of those things where it's like, I feel like the problem with this movie, after talking with you guys about mm-hmm. it and hearing Alan's issues with it, mm-hmm. I feel like the weakness of this film was that, the movie was set up in a way to make a lot of viewers feel like this was going to be a personal story arc story mm-hmm. when it was actually a group storyline yeah. where, so instead of just having the one family run away and have issues, mm-hmm. they should have done like a quick thing of like showing, showing the family they showed mm-hmm. packing up Frank, you know, frantically and then show another family packing up frantically and show maybe three different point of views of like people trying to escape and then time together and and uh, uh, together. And then at that point you'd be like, okay, this is going to be a group thing. This isn't going to be about one or two people. Mm -hmm. That might be why the issue exists. They set the expectation early. Do you think that's what it was? I mean, I think setting something, hinting at it earlier in the film, I think would have been better to get through it. Cause there are points in this film where it's like, where is this going? Like it does drag on for a while until yeah. you get into the, we have this explosive, this is the plan. And now we're showing it, but it would make more sense if you had those ties earlier on. Mm-hmm. Um, to show you, even, in, even, if, even if you did something in that montage, just to show a few people um, with the first attack that failed. Yeah. Like just some reactions to that. Yeah. Um, any other final thoughts on this before we... I have one dumb funny fact. Um, okay. It's not really funny, kind of mean. Uh, <laughs> so Machine Gun Kelly in this uh, actually ended up suffering a hairline fracture on his chest because in the scene where a cop beats him up, the cop was actually hitting Machine Gun Kelly and was actually hurting him. And they did that a couple of times. And he said at one point, he said, hey, can you back off on your punches? You have to stop. It's hurting me. And <laughs> the actor went... No, you have to deal with this and just kept punching him full force and actually cracked his chest. And he had to cancel, I think, three shows because of it, which is funny because he's still interested in acting. That's great. I'm glad this did not ruin his. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm just going to come out right now. I bought his last album. Yeah. The the whole like ticket to my downfall thing. Uh Like, I feel like it's the best tribute to like early millennium pop punk. Yeah. Like if this album would have come out in like 2008, he it'd be huge. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I really like it. But anyway, it's just kind of learning about him through the album and like just finding stuff out about him. Yeah. Like he wants to get into acting. That's cool. And I really like the fact that, I mean, because when I saw the character, uh-huh. I was like, is that Machine Gun Kelly? <laughs> and I wasn't entirely sure. It was just, a, it was just a passing yeah. thing. I was like, that guy looks like Machine Gun Kelly. And then I didn't think about it since, because I didn't think it was. Oh yeah. And then I found out when I went through IMDb after the film, Yeah. I was like, okay, no, it definitely is. But my last thought on this film, uh-huh. I could not go to sleep after watching this film. Oh wow. Cause it freaked me out. And yes, I do consider this sci-fi horror. Oh, okay. Mainly because of how they betray the aliens mm-hmm. and truly the grip they have on the city because everybody becomes fearful because the media is, they're like, are the hunters coming? Yeah. We have to know if the hunters are coming. And the mayor's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And that's instant. Like these people are afraid. Yeah. And that's where like the design of the aliens and like it, it, it got me. And I was like, I need a cleanser. So then yeah. I watched the next movie 
I was up to like two o'clock in the morning because I could like I knew that if I tried to go to sleep after watching this, yeah. it would be running in my head. Not that sure. I'd get a nightmare from it, but just my mind was running. You would be able to slow down. And so I was like, I, I, I got to watch Moneyball. <laughs> and i and i was able to fall asleep after good. that's good. fine after that so all right no i enjoyed i enjoyed this the movie paid off in the end yeah for me yeah. so good. i'm glad that that was the case otherwise we have we have a lot more issues to debate about <laughs> uh, i think that does it for this episode follow us on instagram like us on facebook you can listen to the podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify podbean google podcast audible tune in Alexa in the iHeartRadio app. And until next time for You Have to Watch This Podcast, I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And we'll see you next week. I don't know if I'm closing line. I don't know. I don't know how to do those. I've never done one. Shut the fuck up, Devin. <laughs> Same old fair, sweet home Chicago.